This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 264, recorded Monday, April the 11th, 2016. And it's like a whole new season of the podcast has started, Jason, because the main show, The Walking Dead, is now behind us for season six, and Fear the Walking Dead season two is all out in front of us. Right. It came right into our eye holes just last night. It did. Right right into our eye holes and our ear holes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It uh, did the ear hold, ear, old ear hole entry, too. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. We are going to talk about season two, episode one of Fear the Walking Dead. It is, of course, the other show that takes place within the Walking Dead universe, as, you know, figured out by Robert Kirkman and Dave Erickson, the showrunner of this show. Um, but first, I just want to remind people that uh, of two things. One, we, we go for a little bit of a different format on the podcast when we're talking about Fear the Walking Dead. And really, that's just to mix things up a bit, right? It is fun to try new things. Variety is the spice of life. Variety. You need some every once in a while. So the other thing I want to mention is that I'm going to say right now that I think at some point over the next four weeks, there will be one extra podcast just dropped in at some point. Kerplunk. Kerplunk. <laughs> right. Um, and I mentioned that because we only do one show a week about fear. Uh, we don't do the feedback show, but I do tend to include a little bit of feedback on each podcast. So we look back at last week's episode, we do a bit of feedback for the current week's episode, and we're going to keep going with that one show a week deal here for the next uh, seven or eight weeks. But I'm going to say at some point in the next maybe four or five, we're going to drop one extra in there just as a surprise. So keep listening for that and, uh, you know, let us know when you find it. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just, it's just not listen. a secret. Obviously, you're telling them. You're just not telling them why or what the hell's going on. Yeah, it's not secret, but you know, it's just gonna it's gonna show up on the feed at some point. So stay subscribed and keep listening, and it'll be in there, and uh, it might be fun. Super. All right, let's get into season two of Fear the Walking Dead. This first episode, it had a name, and the name is somewhere in this audio recording. Brace yourselves. There be a monster on these seas. Do you know what the title of the episode is, Jason? <sighs> there be. No, not there be. <laughs> the title was Monster. Oh, I was close. I was right up next to it, but I didn't get it. You were you were close. It's it yeah. was Monster. Um, so from AMC, here's the description of this episode. Our families flee a burning Los Angeles on Strand's yacht. Strand remains mysterious. Our group encounters danger at sea. Oh, my. So in, this, in three sentences, it refers to them as our families and our group. Yeah, in, in three awkward, stunted sentences. That was really badly written. <laughs> that came right from the AMC website. Oh, I'm, I'm well aware of the source. I'm just saying. Yeah. They need, they need, I think they need to up their synopsis writing game a little bit. Yeah, maybe get non-interns to do it. Well, don't insult the interns. I mean, the interns work hard. They do great work. Oh, yeah. They probably could write three sentences. No problem. I'm pretty sure an intern could write a better description than that, frankly. So I don't know where they're getting these. Like, 
maybe they're getting their six-year-old children to write them. Our families? <laughs> it's just it, It's just it starts off awkward. It gets weird. I, I don't like that description. No, I know. It's, it's I mean, crazy. it's apt. It makes sense. Except that nobody ever refers to anybody as our families. Well, they could have said the families or the char- the characters. I don't know. It doesn't matter. That's those the, guys. Yeah, those guys on the boat there. Um. Anyways, that's the description from AMC. So we don't recap Fear the Walking Dead the same way we recap the main Walking Dead show. Instead, we just kind of talk about it and let, let our feelings come out and our thoughts just ooze out all over the microphone and into your ears. So Your ear holes. Yeah, that's right. Um. I guess I'll start. What I want to start by saying is sort of just general thoughts on this episode. We'll get into more specifics in a minute. But I think for the return of Fear the Walking Dead for season two, this was a pretty solid episode. I like this episode. Yeah, I I think I think it was good. And the one thing I one of the things I liked about it is they didn't really feel the need to like catch us up on who these characters are are and how we got to this point. They kind of just threw us right into it, mm-hmm. um, which is good. I mean, we only had six episodes in season one. So sitting down in front of my TV last night, I was thinking, well, we're probably going to be at Strand's house for a while. We're going to be taken through who each of these people are, you know, maybe through dialogue interactions with each other and stuff, just to get everyone caught up. And if there are new viewers coming on, they're going to want to make sure they know who everybody is and their relationships and stuff. And there was some of that, but it was spread out throughout the episode and it was done in a really organic way. I didn't feel like they sort of hammered us on the head about, you know, here's where we are, here's who these people are. Now we'll move on to, you know, the meat of the episode. Well, I think AMC is uh, is right it's right on the times with uh, how people tend to watch TV now. Mm -hmm. Because it's not so much appointment television where every Thursday night at 8, I have to sit down and watch Seinfeld because that's when Seinfeld is on. Right. And I don't have really any other choice. Now they you you binge watch everything on Netflix and AMC, uh, I believe, runs marathons before they premiere anything. So I'm sure that the entire season one of Fear the Walking Dead was on a uh, an infinite loop repeated <laughs> before this thing premiered. So uh, anybody who's anybody is uh, would have been caught up as soon as as soon as it aired. So. Yeah, that's uh, true. I, I think that I think it's fine just to do that kind of thing to not have to go into uh, who everybody is and what's going on, and that, that, it's kind of a throwback to old time television too, where they didn't have uh, season breaks, right? Like do they like uh, look at Gilligan's Island? You never watched an episode of Gilligan's Island where they explained who the professor is, other than the fact that of course Gilligan's Island had that intro that it explained everything. <laughs> that's right. Well, just besides that. <laughs> Everything was in the opening theme song. <laughs> right. Um, but you're right. TV shows used to have more episodes, too. I mean, my one of my all-time favorites is the original Twilight Zone, as longtime listeners probably know. And they used to do plenty of episodes, like 30-something episodes a season, yeah. right? So it it was almost going on year-round. Not, that's not a crazy totally. schedule. That's that's so tough to, to maintain. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of a lot of writing, a lot of production, a lot of everything. Well, even uh, twenty-two episodes uh, a season, like they did in the '90s, is still pretty tough to maintain nowadays. Well, a lot of major network TV shows are still doing that, right? They're still running twenty-two, twenty-three episodes. I, I think so. Yeah, even hour-long dramas. Like, you know, I used to watch Castle, that show, that cop show about with uh, Nathan Fillion. Yep. I haven't watched a la- the last season, but they were doing. 22, 23, 24 episodes a, a season still. And that's 
I don't know, ABC or something like that. So I think those those major networks are still doing those things. It's it's the HBOs and the, the AMCs that are doing 12 or maybe 10 to 16 episodes per per season. I, I kind of like that pacing. 22 episodes is hard to stomach when you sit down and try and watch something. Like if you try and binge watch 22 episodes, that's tough. It's that's a, a lot. tough thing to do. 12 or 13 is probably enough. Especially if you have it as, have it serialized and it, it being one story. If it's procedural like Castle or Gilligan's Island or uh, Magnum P.I., where everything <laughs> is status quo and then, you know, you start off and it's a, it's a new story every time, it's a little easier to do. Mm-hmm. But if you have something like, uh, like Fear the Walking Dead or Walking Dead or Breaking Bad or uh, anything that's on AMC, really, it's, you know, one season tells one story and that's tough to do for 22 episodes. Yeah, it's tough to keep it keep it interesting, right? Um, anyways, I like the way Fear started for season two. They they just jumped us right in. One of the things I want to talk about is the cold open because I thought it was a really really good cold open. What what did you think about you know Los Angeles on fire and the sort of panic on the beach they had as they were escaping into the boat? I like the concept of it really, really a lot. I like the idea. I like the pacing of it and uh, the drama and suspense of the whole thing. I thought it was really, uh, really well done. Special effects, on the other hand, left a little bit to be desired, but I can forgive that mostly with only a a brief mention that I may have just added in. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, But overall, I thought it was uh, a solid cold open. I really liked the idea of seeing... It's going to sound weird, but I like the idea of seeing Los Angeles burn. <laughs> you know, not physically and, in you know, literally, I don't want to see Los Angeles burn, but I like the uh, uh, the dramatic effect of it being on fire in this fictional television show. Sure. You don't want anyone to actually be on fire. Right. I don't want, yeah, I wouldn't want to burn down a whole city. No, 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 no. Nobody wants that. But I I liked it. I, I didn't really notice any problem with the the visual effects um as they're you know as they're leaving on the boat you see a couple of jets fly over and more explosions so clearly the city is being just bombed to crap to try and contain whatever is happening there and this is what they referred to i think in the first season right they did yeah they They were were, they they were they mentioned that they were going to firebomb los angeles and boy did they ever yeah, they had. It's funny that you have to burn a city to the ground in order to save it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not much. I mean, it really didn't look like there'd be much left no. after after that many that much bombing and that much fire. Um, I enjoyed the cold open. I thought it looked really cool, and and like you, I thought the city just looked amazing, lit up by fire, in a you know in a terrifying kind of way. Yeah, um, and. I felt like another one of my expectations sort of, and this is kind of what I was saying at the beginning is that I, I expected the season to start in Strand's house and I didn't expect them to be sort of right on the water right away. I knew that was coming, right? I knew we were going to get zombies at sea for this season, but I thought we'd get an episode of them in Strand's house trying to, you know, figure out what to do. Maybe, um, maybe gathering some supplies or something before they were going to go jump on the boat. But, but no, we got this scene on the beach where it's nighttime. The fire bombing has started. They're scrambling to get to the boat and, uh, and, and then zombies are attacking. 
Yeah. And it was really exciting. I thought they did a, did a fantastic job. Um, I noticed that they had to hit the zombies at least a couple of times on the head with rocks before they went down, which is different than the main show, too, where Morgan just, you know, bops them on the head with his stick and they're dead. Well, the, the zombies, the peop- dead people are fresher now, right? Mm-hmm. The zombie outbreak is just happening. So people uh, haven't had time to have their heads soften. Uh, as you know, I assume that the virus that uh, is killing everybody and turning them into zombies softens their bones mm-hmm. to make their heads, you know, gooey, squishy, nerf, nerf kind of heads. But right now, I don't think the uh, the virus is prevalent enough and hasn't been around long enough in order to make everybody's heads so nice and squishy, soft. I guess not. I just like the the fact that it's a little bit trickier to kill them. Yeah, it's not so easy to just walk up, put a knife in the side of their head, or in Morgan's case, a staff, you know, to the side of the head. I like I like the fact that it's a little harder. Um, and so so great cold open, and then the way it transitioned into the title screen, which was amazing. Do you remember last year? I mean, in season one, you'd have a cold open, and then the title screen had had its own sort of soundtrack, its own music. Mm-hmm. And it was this really sort of extreme, not really music, but sound effect almost. Did you notice that in this episode, they didn't use that? They used the score that was happening in the episode, and it just led right into the title card. I did notice that, and uh, I did I did enjoy that. I hope they keep doing that, because I think that's a really, really cool way of doing it. I don't want to, I don't want to, I didn't really love the sound effect they used from season one, so I want to see this, and uh, it, it worked for me. Um, all right. So I was sort of thinking, watching it to myself. All right. What's the time frame here? How long has it been? Um, have they, have they been in Strand's house for a while and we're just not seeing that? Or is this like that night? And from what I could gather, it's pretty fast. It's pretty soon after season one ended. And I, I figured that out, I think, because they were bringing Travis's ex-wife's body with them. And she did not look like she'd been dead for very long. Yeah, I assumed that that was that night. Mm-hmm. That really no time has passed. Yeah. It's like, hey, there's the boat. And everybody's thought was, well, let's get our asses on that boat. Okay, let's go. <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> Why wait? And with the city that much on fire, you are going to Oh, yeah, and the city's on fire. We better go. <laughs> it's, we need to get out on that water. All right. right. Um, okay, so I've got a bunch of uh, sort of topics here about the episode. Jason, is there anything you want to bring up before I dive into my stuff? Uh, no, I've got a few things that I want to – most likely you thought of them first, so uh, we'll just go ahead. All right. Well, the first thing I wanted to bring up is the only part of this episode that I didn't really dig that much is the stuff with Travis's son Chris mourning his mother. You didn't I, dig it? I didn't really dig it. Um, or at least I grew tired of it quickly. So what happens is, you know, they bring uh, they bring his ex-wife's body, whose name I forget. Is it Liza? It's Liza Ortiz, played by Elizabeth Rodriguez. Yep. So they bring her body on board. She's, of course, dead. They had to kill her in the season finale for season one. And Chris, you know, it's her son. So he's understandably upset, upset but, and and, you know, I don't begrudge him as the character for being upset about that because, you know, anyone would be upset about that sort of thing if their mother had to be brutally murdered like that. Well, yeah, you you got a number of things going on. One is your mom was sick. Now she's dead. The city's on fire. 
We're going on a boat. Let's bring the body. These are all very upsetting things. <laughs> it's true. There's nothing that's not upsetting in that <laughs> list. Yeah. But but then I sort of felt like, well, they're making him all mopey and and dangerous, right? They're, they're using Chris to set him up for something, to do something stupid that puts the whole group in danger. And ultimately, that's kind of what it comes down to at the end when he jumps in the water. And, you know, they think he's... I don't know, trying to drown himself or swim away or whatever. So Nick jumps in to rescue him and he says, I just wanted to go swimming. That felt, I don't know, it felt a little obvious for me. It's like, look at him, he's he's upset and he's obviously going to do something stupid that gets the, gets the group in danger. And then what happens? He jumps in the water and everyone's in danger. I think the he wanted to go swimming line was bullshit though. I think he was jumping in the water because of uh, frustration and being stuck in one place, and he just needed to get out. He wasn't really thinking, I need to get away. He wasn't thinking, I want to commit suicide. He wasn't thinking anything, really. He's just, I, I think all he was thinking was, I got to get off this boat, even for a little while. And then when he jumped in the water, and then once you jump in the water, it's very uh, baptismal and uh, awakening. And mm -hmm. then somebody jumped in after him and it's like, well, why did you jump in the water? Shit, I got to think of something. Why would I jump in the water that makes any sense whatsoever? <laughs> I wanted to go swimming. I needed a shower. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I didn't believe that I wanted to go swimming line for a second. I think it was just out of sheer frustration and uh, grief that he just jumped in the water. Yeah, but that's kind of what I mean. Like they made him frustrated and in a state of grief like that so that they there would be a reason for him to jump in the water and then have someone have to come after him and it led to all kinds of you know dangerous stuff with zombies in the water and things like that oh yeah you never jump in the water you don't you never split the party uh no yeah i don't know if uh if i would agree with you i think that uh he's a teenage boy that mm -hmm. has you know hormones going through his body at the best of times and is uh, angry and frustrated and, uh, you know, feels alone and you compound on that, all of this other, you know, myriad of other shit that's going on in your life. Yeah. And, uh, I know I didn't begrudge him any of that. I mean, I thought it was a little awkward on, uh, how he, uh, angrily dumped his mom's body in the ocean, mm -hmm. but, you know, I also kind of thought maybe he's frustrated in all this standing around bullshit can get annoying to a teenage boy. So maybe he just, you know, all that, like I said, myriad of bullshit, uh, swirling around in his head. Uh, he just wanted to get it over with and get it done. So he, in a moment of peak, he did that. And same yeah. thing with jumping in the water. So, no, I, I think it was perfectly within, uh, within character. All right. Well, the, the funeral scene, I agree with you. Um, I, I actually liked the funeral scene quite a bit. I I enjoyed sort of what they were doing there with Travis speaking. I think he made a really um pleasant, if that's the right word, eulogy for her. Right. And the way and the way um Cliff Curtis sort of delivered the lines and acted in the scene I think was really good. You know, Chris then running over and just dumping her body in the ocean. It that was a bit odd, I thought, but you know, maybe I could see a teenager reacting that way. But then again, it's, I'm not it's so a little, sure. It's a little outlandish for a teenager, I would agree. Yeah. Well, for anybody. I mean, you're not just going to walk up and pour, dump somebody's body in like that, especially your mother's, after sitting at her bedside, even though she was dead for, for all that time. So uh, 
I, anyways, at the, at the end of the episode, I'd kind of grown tired of, of what Chris was doing here, but I think they've sort of wrapped it up. So I'm not too worried that it's going to continue this way in, you know, episode two or three or on, which which I'm okay with. Okay. Well, I mean, you can't, there's only so many times you can dump your mom's body in the ocean, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You you only really get one shot at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the, that's pretty much his whole chance. Unless you mess it up and then maybe you can try again the next day. Well, you know, he was doing some fishing. Oh yeah. He was doing some fishing. You know, I like that fishing scene. Um, I, I don't know why it just, it's, it was one of the little details that they would include that I think sometimes the main walking dead show, and I don't mean to keep comparing it to that show, but you know, it's the little details of like they're while they're on the ocean, they need to fish, they need to get food. There's got to be only a limited supply of food on the boat for that many people. So here they are fishing and they're talking about it. And that's something they'd have to do, you know, constantly if they were going to survive off fish for a long time. So yeah. I like that kind of detail included. Yeah, that was good. It was really good. Um, now, speaking of teenagers, the other one on the boat is Alicia. Mm-hmm. And she spent a good portion of this episode talking to random dude on the radio. So talking on the phone like a teenage girl. Talking on the phone like a teenage girl. Talking to Jack. Talking to a boy. On the phone. That's right. And giving him a fair bit of information. So what do you think? I mean, was that a tactical mistake on her part? Oh, yeah, I was dumb. Who gave her the radio in the first place? I think it was her dad, wasn't it? Said, go talk on the radio. See if you can hear anything. It's a dumb thing to do. Should have said, go listen to the radio. Don't talk on the radio. Yeah. Uh, What was your question? Well, I don't know. Was it, a, was it a mistake for her to give away so much information? And do you think the boat that's coming at them at the end of the episode is Jack's boat? Uh, no. I, no, I didn't make that. Uh, I know we're supposed to have that connection implied mm-hmm. that the, the boat that Jack is on is the one that uh, uh, caused the other uh, capsize and shot all those people, I assumed, and now we're coming after them. We're supposed to think that that's them, but I don't think it is. I think that they're going to come and help. You actually think Jack's boat, Jack's, Jack and his people are going to be helpful? I think Jack and his people are going to, are on the up and up, or Jack is on the up and up, and that his people, that he's not lying about any of it, and that he's going to show up and uh, help uh, with the pirates. And uh, since they've helped with the pirates, they're going to get an invite onto the boat. If maybe Jack's the only one left alive and gets an invite onto the boat. Mm-hmm. But we need, uh, uh, I think we need a love interest for Alicia. <laughs> really? Because her other boyfriend's dead. Yeah, they left him behind yeah. <laughs> in Los Angeles. Really, a love interest. I I don't know if they do that so quickly, but you could be right. See, I didn't really make the connection that, um, or as you were saying, I think they want us to think that Jack's Jack and his people are bad and they're responsible for, like you said, this capsized boat that they found. I didn't really think that. I thought that boat that they found was a random encounter, but that Jack and his boat, now they know where they are and they're going to show up and they're going to end up being pirates, basically. No, I don't think they're going to be pirates, and I'll tell you why. Well, please I, do. I, I, I'm not just making this up. I'm, I have a theory. Well, very good. So it has to do with the fact that he's talking on the radio, and uh, since he's, and it has to do with the. Okay, so they're talking. He's talking on the radio, and the zombie apocalypse is happening right now. 
Mm-hmm. Like this is not, you know, six months down the road. It's not a year and a half down the road where uh, people are tend to be a little more manipulative. Now it's just happening. Everybody's in a mad scramble for immediate survival. So I don't think that his calm demeanor in talking on the radio, uh, I don't think enough time has played out to make that kind of manipulation necessary. And to make uh, someone cold enough to uh, go through that right. uh, talking on the radio manipulation in order to make a kill or a score or to get what you're looking at or looking looking for. So I think that because he's talking on the radio, because he seems so calm, because he's giving so many details, that it's probably true. So you're saying people haven't had enough time yet to turn bad? To turn uh, turn into that dark and manipulative bunch of bastards. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess if everyone's still reacting to like the zombie apocalypse. And and the pickings on the on the water right now are probably pretty good, right? If you wanted to be a pirate and you're just kind of, uh, you know, in your boat going around uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, uh, San Francisco area, everybody's getting the F offshore and getting in their boats and taking the fuck off. And excuse me, I know I didn't swear and then I did swear and then I didn't swear. Forgive me. It's okay. You're allowed. I'm allowed. All right. So uh, everybody's getting the hell out of Dodge, right? So if you're a pirate on those waters and the Coast Guard came over the broadband radio and said, there's no rescue by land, there's no rescue by sea, there's Mm -hmm. no rescue by air, everybody's on their own. Pirates are like, yeah, boy, let's go. (laughs) You just drive around a little bit and you're going to find a boat. You don't need to be so manipulative to try and get somebody to talk and tell you where they are. Mm-hmm. You just drive around for a little while. You go like, hey, there's a boat. Let's go get them. That that makes a, you know, you make a compelling point. Um, there's probably lots of people out on the ocean, and so plenty of targets for pirates if you're going to be one. Right. So there's no reason to manipulate somebody like this. Now, in season one, we skipped, what, nine days of the, the apocalypse? So we're yeah. maybe two weeks in at this point. Do you think two weeks is not enough time for pirate bands of pirates on sea on the sea to form? Well, I don't think the apocalypse is a, is a switch that got flipped, right? It's kind of a, it's more of a gradual process. The end of the world like, takes well, time. You know, right? went to bed one night and everything's fine. You were watching reruns of uh, Seinfeld or something, and you just kind of go to, go to sleep and you wake up and the whole world's on fire and it's the apocalypse. I mean, that happens in the biblical apocalypse, kind of. Way, but I don't think it happens in the fictional zombie apocalypse kind of way where things spread. I think it's it's been spreading for a while, mm-hmm. and sure, it's reached a critical point, but I don't think it's a you know you wake up one morning and oh my god, it's the apocalypse. No, that's so true. It takes. I time. don't think it's you know two weeks is kind of uh, it's not really set in stone. Those two weeks. Yeah. No. It's 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 it takes uh, well, it takes time to spread out. So. And two weeks could be long for some people and and like a really short time for other people in terms of dealing with the apocalypse and what you're going to do now that the end of the world has come. Yeah. No, that's – and that's relativity and that's what uh, Seinfeld said. Seinfeld (laughs) – Seinfeld. Einstein. (laughs) You've talked about Seinfeld two or three times already tonight. That's why I'm thinking. (laughs) Einstein was talking about general relativity. He said, if you spend an hour with your sweetheart, it seems like a very short time. If you spend an hour sitting on a hot plate – Seems like a very long time. A very, very long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was a smart man, that Seinfeld. Yeah, that Seinfeld. He was really smart. Really smart. You know, talking about the radio that she was on, though, I did like 
the how the radio was used to um, portray or 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 provide us some information and portray some of the panic that was has been going on. Right. Oh, yeah. I think you mentioned it where the Coast Guard comes on and says, you know what, there's no rescue. You're all screwed. <laughs> yeah. We're not coming. Nobody's coming. You fend for yourself. And then you got little bits and pieces of other people talking on the radio, other broadcasts about, you know, the panic they were in or, or just the bad situation they were in. So that was all before Alicia managed to get, you know, her boyfriend on there, Jack, her boyfriend. So I think the radio was used in a pretty effective way to give us just a little bit of information about what was going on in the rest of the area. Right. Right. And that's, that's sort of what a radio is, is, uh, really good for. So I'm curious to find out what happens when Jack arrives. I imagine we're going to meet him in episode two, uh, this week. And I'm with you. I hope, I hope they are on the up and up. I hope they are good people and who could potentially be added to this cast. Now you can't have too many people added to the cast because it's a pretty small boat. Right. And if you well, fill someone, that boat they're up, they're going to have to people, kill somebody. Well, they might have to kill someone, but if you fill that boat up too much, I mean, it's not going to be realistic in any sense of the term because it's just going to be a boat packed full of, it's going to be a party boat. And that's not what they need. Well, I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. It's, but it's not the best, though. When you start running out of cabins, that's a problem. It is. And when you are unable to really go back to land, to resupply yourself, that's going to be, it's going to be tough. So um, speaking of land, I wonder how this season is going to, to pan out. Do you think we're going to go, you know, back and forth between the land and the sea, or are we going to be stuck on this boat for 15 episodes? Oh God, no, they're only going to be in the boat for one, maybe two more episodes, and then they'll have to put ashore and uh, the boat will burn. Do you, do you think that's a story thing or do you think that's just a, you know, writers being realistic, like how long can they honestly survive on a yacht or on a boat this size? Well, I think it's a story back. thing because I don't think it's a, a writer thing. I don't think it's a problem. I can think they could write. I mean, they wrote whole whole series of uh, Battlestar Galactica, and that basically all took took place on a boat. Um, <laughs> yeah, sort of. It was called the Battlestar Galactica, but it was essentially a space boat uh-huh. that you know went around. Pretty big so one. I think I think they're fine on a boat, and I think production wise, it's cheap. To do it on a boat, like you get uh, you get a boat, you rent a boat for a while, and uh, you go out to sea, and one day is much like another, and you you shoot, and I think it would be relatively inexpensive to shoot on a boat. I don't know, man. I think it might be the opposite. Filming at sea, I think, is tough because you need lots of boats. First of all, if you're shooting like from nah. from other, what do you need? A camera and a guy to hold that camera, maybe. Put well, it on a tripod, you're fine. Yeah, no, I think shooting at sea is pretty pretty um, expensive because, I mean, you don't live at sea, right? So every day you have to go out on the boat, gather everybody up, go out there. Oh, crap, we forgot the cameras. We got to go back. We got to oh, get yes them. Yes and no. Know? I mean, going out there, I mean, like 10 feet from the shore to the uh, to the boat when you point all the cameras on away from land and you're fine? Well, okay, maybe. Maybe that's, they do that that kind of thing, that kind of trickery, but... I don't know. I think shooting on a boat is more expensive just because of the logistics of it all and getting everybody out there and so on. If anybody is a listener who has experience with, you know, filmmaking or TV making and and you know what it's like to shoot on a boat, let us know. I think it's more expensive. I think it's less expensive. Unless the boat is a set and then they can just shoot on a set most oh, of the time. That's a good point. I mean, the interior of the boat, I wouldn't be surprised, is a set. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think story wise, I think they're gonna they're gonna end up on land pretty pretty darn quick. Pretty soon, eh? Yeah. All right. For good, or will they go to land and then go back out to sea and? Oh no, they're gonna burn the boat, and then that'll be the end of that. That'll be too bad. Then they'll have to go to Vegas. I'm hoping for Vegas. <laughs> the Walking Dead Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That could be that could be fun. Um, okay, let's talk about Strand. So Strand owns the sure. boat. He is kind of this mysterious character that they have that well that they introduced in season number one. And we still don't know too much about this guy, other than he was clearly pretty wealthy because he had this big yacht. Rich guy with a boat. Rich guy with a boat, yeah. What more do you need to know? Does he have ulterior motives? He doesn't seem like he's telling them everything. Well, why would he let them on his boat if he had ulterior motives? Well, there was a couple of opportunities just to just to leave, right? Because he got a couple of people onto the boat, and then there was uh, a bunch of people left on shore, and he had to wait for them to go back and get the rest of the people. Just like all he had to do is push the throttle forward, and he's gone. Well, I... I know that. Like maybe he'll maybe he'll leave, but maybe he doesn't want to leave. Like maybe he needs them or wants them on that boat for something. Like maybe he's going to eat them. I don't know. Maybe uh, he's going to trade them for something. Maybe he's it, got it's some too, sort of it's, plan. It's too early in the apocalypse for that kind of that kind of thing. It's all about immediate survival right now. I you think he's so forward looking and he's like eventually I'm going to need some slaves and or human food. So I better gather uh, gather the ye rosebuds while you can. I don't know. He seems to be pretty um pretty aware of what's going on. Like he, you know, he's he I think he sort of saw this coming and I think he planned ahead for it in some in some crazy way. You know, I, I'm not saying like he was like, hey, the zombie apocalypse is coming. I'm going to need to bring some people so we can eat them on my boat. But, um, you know, I think maybe he was one of these guys prepared for this kind of thing. And now he's got something going on. There's a scene in this in this episode where Madison is looking for him and she can hear him upstairs talking to himself. And he even acknowledges that he says, I was talking out loud to ghosts. I think he's a little nuts. Well, he might be a little nuts. That doesn't mean he has an ulterior motive, though. No, I'm not saying it necessarily does, but it could. And if he's crazy, who knows what he's got up his sleeve? Well, I don't know. If he's crazy, I think it's along the lines of, I've got to get on my boat and I've got to go. Uh, I've stored 14 hats on my boat, so I need 14 people because everybody's got to have a hat. Well, you don't want to get a sunburn, yeah. Yeah, so in you know, yeah, I have to have every, I have to have a hat for everybody, and everybody has to have a hat. So I need this X number of people to be on my boat at all times. Mm-hmm. And if I lose somebody, I'm going to have to get somebody else because I have 14 hats, and I need to uh, have everybody wearing a hat. So let's go. I think that's the level of crazy he might be. Well, that's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> that many hats. I think it's not evil. No, it's, it's just a hat thing. It's not evil. That's true. Evil doesn't. I mean, crazy doesn't equal evil. No, it doesn't. And that's what I'm saying is that if he is crazy, it's not, he doesn't have an evil motive. He just has a crazy one. Right. Now that, that still could end up bad for everybody else. Right. Because what happens if he drops a hat over the side, then he has to kill somebody. He has to drop a person over the side. Right. Right. You got to have the same number of hats as you do people. And if you, if anything, you got to keep it in balance. What I liked about Strand, speaking of balance, is that I think they did a really good job with that. Strand in season two, to me, feels like a more extreme version of Strand in season one. That's because he's wearing that awesome sweater in season two. 
<laughs> Anyone in a sweater like that is amazing. That's a that's a that's a uh, that's a sweater. I'm trying to think of the word other than semen. <laughs> it's a semen sweater. It's a semen sweater. It's a uh, it's a fishing sweater. It's like a wool sweater that is meant for wearing while you're on the ocean. Right. And it's a really good sweater. I really like that sweater. That was the, one of the notes I made. Was damn, that's a nice sweater. Well, and I'm not even a sweater guy. Yeah, but now I know what to get you for Christmas. Oh no! Don't give me another sweater. If you give me a sweater and I wear it, my wife's going to kill me <laughs> because she's bought me many sweaters over the years and I don't wear them. Yeah, but if I get you a if I get you a semen sweater, <laughs> no, it just it I, I can't wear it not because I don't like it, but because the word semen of, isn't it? It's it's political. No, it has nothing to do with the word semen. <laughs> it's just it's too uh, it's too political for me to wear a sweater that my wife didn't buy me. I see. Right now. All right. Well, maybe I'll talk to her. Tell her you want a semen sweater. <laughs> Uh, um, you let her know. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, what I was saying about Strand, though, is in the same, like in a single moment, to me, Strand seemed a little nuts, but also totally sane. And this is why I can't really put my finger on this character because he's he. I think he's great. He he's he has a funny way of talking, but it seems like there's always a character or two on a Walking Dead TV show that has a funny way of talking. Yeah. Uh, we've been through that ad nauseum on the main show. So Strand is that guy here. The way he delivers lines, I think, is a little bit unusual. But, like, the scene where he's giving his it's my boat speech, and he does the whole rule number one, it's my boat, rule number two, it's still my boat, and rule number three, refer to rule number one and two. Yeah. That is, to me, a little bit nuts, but he's totally right. Like, it's my boat, it's my rules. If you don't like my rules, get off my boat. So I don't hold that against them in any way, but at the same time, if you're going to invite these people on the boat, you might want to, I don't know, factor in their opinions a little bit, work together as a team, not just say it's my boat and it's my way. Well, he's the captain. I guess every boat needs a captain, right? Captain, my captain. That's uh, He's got the sweater. Mm-hmm. He he owns the boat. And that's two reasons right now, right there why he's the captain. He just needs a hat. Well, he did have a hat, but it wasn't a captain's hat. Oh, any hat he wears is a captain's hat, by definition. <laughs> You're in love with Strand, man. <laughs> it's a sweater. It's a sweater, yeah. Damn fine sweater. Anyways, I think Strand is, is going to be interesting to see how things play out with him. I personally think he may not have nefarious motives, but I do think he has a plan. I think he's got an idea of at least what he wants to do and the way he wants things to be on this boat. And he's not going to let anyone get in his way. So that's going to be a source of tension as the season goes along. Well, or at least the next few episodes before they hit land and light the boat on fire, like you seem to think. Yeah. Well, you might be absolutely right. He might have been taking people for boat rides for years out to his offshore human sausage factory. Right? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe this this is nothing new. It's just like, I need some people. I got to get to the sausage factory. I got uh, I got my buddies out there also taking people out to the sausage factory. So we're going to go make some sausages. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Barbecue. Sausage time. Human sausage time. Well, and see, that would be something unusual and that they're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, that would be that would be a situation. But I'm looking forward to learning more about Strand because he only came in, you know, partway through season one. So we still don't know much about him. That's true. You know, amazing seaman sweater or not. Captain guy. Captain man. Uh, Okay, let's, here's a question for you, Jason. At the very beginning of this episode, once they're on the boat, they pass some people who are on another 
vessel of some kind uh-huh. who need help, and they don't help them. They continue on, even though most of the characters want to go and help them, but it was a lot of people. It was probably 20, 25 people, it looked like. It was quite a few. And they just keep sailing on, mostly because Strand wants to go. Um, is this is this sort of zombie apocalypse ethics here, not, not helping those people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, the only difference between uh, this show doing that and the many, many other shows that have done this in the past is that uh, they're on a boat and not on the submarine. It's a it's standard practice that if you're on a submarine, there's going to be people that you that need help that you can't help. They did it in Das Boot. They did it in U five seven one. Every time you're out to sea and it's a dire situation, you're going to run into people that need help that you wish you could help, but there's just not enough room in order to save them. Well, that's the thing. I figured that was going to happen. Well, it happened right away. Well, it did happen right away, but I, as soon as they were going out on the boat, I'm like, yeah, they're going to do that DOS boot thing. <laughs> well, that's the thing about a boat. I mean, there really is only so much space. Yeah, well, you can tell because uh, I think the people on that boat were doing exactly the opposite, helping everybody that could come. So there was, it was like standing room only on that boat. That was a party boat. Well, and That's right. It was more of a party raft well, almost. It, yeah, it was a party raft. I mean, in a, in, a, in a horrifying, you know, desperate kind of way. Yeah. But it was a party. Well, it sure was, uh, but they left them, but you're right. I mean, how could they have saved them? I mean, it's not like you can sail over there and be like, all right, you, you, and you, we got room for you guys, hop aboard. Everybody else, eh, sorry, <laughs> you know. Well, but they did, they did that in Battlestar Galactica, like first season when uh, Boomer and, oh, what was his name? Hot Soup? No. Anyway, some the guy that uh, ended up having the baby with Boomer. Oh, yeah, God, I don't remember. Anyway, they landed their ship and they uh, had a bunch of people and they said, okay, we only got room for three. Let's take you, you, and oh, look, it's Guy's Baltar. You come with me. <laughs> that's how they picked up Baltar. You're going to be important later on, I'm pretty that's sure. Right. <laughs> so uh, that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Which, you know, if I'm drawing parallels between the show and uh, Battlestar Galactica, then uh, they did the opposite. And it all starts with being on a boat. That's right. <laughs> yeah, space boat, you know, real boat, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I got a couple more points here about, about this episode. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Salazar, mm-hmm. he just kind of seems like a mysterious, wise old man now, right? He's the guy they go to for a, a little bit, you know, the characters seem to go to him for advice, right? Like Chris went to talk to him. Travis went to talk to him. I think Maddie went to talk to him and he's just there fishing, doling out advice. And, and I wonder if that's going to be his sort of role in the show, you know, for this season. Yoda? Yeah. He's the Yoda character, right? He's Yoda, yeah. Um, he says that uh, basically the line of the episode here, he said that if this is the end of the world, it's already over. And that's that's how I knew he was the Yoda character because he was saying things like that. Yeah. You know, that uh, that other people were probably thinking but didn't really articulate. He also calls Strand Ahab, which I liked a lot. Yeah, that was good. Uh, which makes me want to go read Moby Dick. No, you don't. <laughs> well, I kind of... Have you read Moby Dick? Honestly, I've always wanted to read Moby Dick, but have not. Oh my God, I tried. Like three times I tried. Really? It's not easy. Did you read or audiobook it? Oh, read. This was years before Audible. Yeah. Well, maybe an audiobook is the key. Maybe. I'd probably fall asleep. <laughs> There's a whole chapter on how white the whale is, for crying out loud. Oh, I know. I know. There's some good lines in there, though. Well, it's the, it's the white whale. 
If if my chest were a cannon, I would have shot my heart at him or at it. That's pretty good. That's paraphrasing. But that's a good line. That's a really good line. I've never read Moby Dick. I'd kind of like to, though, so I don't know. Maybe someday. Don't spoil it. Maybe someday when I have some time, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll do yeah, that. Yeah, time. That's that's <laughs> And not doing anything else. Like, if you got a choice between watching Moby Dick and watching the most recent season of Game of Thrones, it's going to be tough. Oh, that's not going to be that tough, to be honest with you. Why? Because the most recent season of Game of Thrones is coming soon, and I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited, too. But those are also books that you could go read that you're not going to because it's on TV. That's true. (laughs) You're probably right. Yeah, the nudity is not as good in a book. Well, nudity is good. In my opinion. No matter what. Um, all right. Well, okay. So I got some more notes. Nick didn't take off his jacket before going in the water after Chris, which I thought was dumb. If you're going to dive in the water, take off your jacket. It just makes swimming easier. And take your shoes off. Well, shoes too, but I can see in a panic, you might jump in with your shoes on. But as he's like running down the stairs there, getting towards the back of the boat, just whip your jacket off, you know? That could be. That's what I would think. I have a question about that scene. Sure. Okay. My my question is, uh, upside down boat full of holes doesn't sink. Why? Well, um, maybe it was sinking still. And why is but it upside it, down? I mean, is that... Well, it doesn't matter. It, it was also, it was full of holes. There's no air trapped underneath to hold the damn thing up. Oh, yeah. Good point. The air would be The escaping. air would just blow out and the thing would sink like a stone. Yeah, well... Why I, is that thing still floating? I don't know. They needed it to float, so... Nick could swim in under it. But I'll be honest with you. I did not really understand the geography of that last scene. And by that, I mean from the shots on the Abigail. Is that what their boat was called? Yeah. Strand's boat is called Abigail. The shots from that boat made the capsized boat look like it was way over there, like far away. Chris and Nick were struggling in the water, like just off the Abigail's stern. That's the back of a boat. Sure. <laughs> oh, we're gonna. Oh my God, Jason! I just realized we're gonna have to learn the directions of a boat. Oh, I know. Port is left. Starboard is right. Uh, bow is the front, and stern is the back. Okay, so, good. Yes, you are right. I'm gonna have to remember those. So, so anyway, they were off the starboard bow. There you go. That's where they were. But then I still felt like the capsized boat was way over there, like far away. But then somehow Nick was able to sort of swim to it, like in a second, and be in underneath it and get attacked by a zombie and then swim back when his dad, um, not his dad, his stepdad, Travis jumped in the water and tried to get him. So, um, it, it didn't feel right to me. It didn't seem like the boats were close enough together for what was happening to be happening. Right. Did you get that feeling at all? I didn't get that feeling, but it makes perfect sense now that you draw a line to it and you know, point at it with an arrow. All right. So I should stop doing that because I'm ruining these things for oh, people? No, it's it's fine. I mean, that's why we're here, right? Yeah. We're supposed to, you know, I'm complaining about the boat not sinking. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous that the boat didn't sink. <laughs> There's, it's full of holes and it's not sinking. The only reason a boat doesn't sink is, is because it displaces more water than, uh, than what? Than water. <laughs> that no, doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't sink because, like you said, there's air trapped in there and that's keeping it afloat. Well, I mean, it displaces water, but the uh, the weight of the boat oh, is when a less than the amount of water that it displaces, and therefore it floats. Sorry, when a boat is not capsized, you mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. When it's capsized, uh, if there's no, it, it won't, dis- there's got to be 
air trapped in it in order to make it less weight than still than the water that it uh, that it displaces. <laughs> yeah. But if there's if there's no air trapped, and by definition having a bunch of holes means that the air is that air is not trapped, the damn thing would sink like a rock. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe the, maybe the air was I mean, still escaping. I don't know. More like a feather. I mean, almost think like a, a stone. It'll kind of wave through the the thing and right the the ocean all the way down to the forty meters below because that's how deep they were. The point is, it would sink. It definitely would sink. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Maybe it had just happened and the air was still escaping or something like that. Nick took a risk going in there. You'd see friggin' water blowing out the thing and there'd be whistling and uh, that's true. Uh, it'd be all kinds of bubbling and and crap. Look at when the Titanic sank. Remember that? <laughs> I was there, Jason. <laughs> you know, there was all kinds of crap flying out of the out of the hull because the air was being blasted out at high pressure. That boat also cracked in half, right? It did, yeah. If I learned anything from the the movie. Well, yeah, and you know, James Cameron went to uh, very great lengths to make that uh, as accurate as he could mm-hmm. in a storytelling kind of bullshit way. Yeah. Well, that's he's he's known for that kind of thing. Um, all right. So what was I going to say? Um, I want to talk about the zombies in the water a little bit. Would you, I thought those looked pretty cool. They were pretty neat. But that's going to get sort of old fast because, you know, if they know there's zombies floating in the water, they don't have very much mobility. So as a person who can swim, you'd think you'd be able to get away from them. And it's pretty yeah. hard for a zombie to sneak up on you in the water. And then the one that Nick encountered when he was under the boat that was a little bit strange because it seemed like the zombie was kind of reaching for him and then all of a sudden just stopped and was just floating there, like, looking at him. It, well, that's because somebody drew aggro. I don't understand. <laughs> there was a noise outside that grabbed the zombie's attention, if I remember that correctly. Um, Somebody was yelling for Travis. I think his mom was yelling or something like that. For Nick, you mean? Well, they for were Nick, probably yeah. all yelling for him, but Nick was pulling the like the captain's log away from the zombie. Yep. Was it the captain's log? Something. It was a book. It was a it was a log of some kind. And then the zombie was kind of had its arms out and then he got the book away and the zombie just sort of stopped and was floating there. So I wasn't sure what was going on there. You'd think the zombie would at least keep kind of gnashing at him, but I don't know. I thought I got the impression that something drew the the zombie's attention. Okay. And aggro is uh, I think it's World of Warcraft where if you're attacking a monster, the person the monster perceives to be doing the most damage to it gets the monster's attention right. or aggression is pointed towards them. So when you draw aggro, you what you're doing is you are making the monster perceive perceive you as more of a threat than anybody else and they will pay attention to you and you want the tank to do that so and the tank being the guy in armor right that's supposed to be standing next to the monster taking all the damage <laughs> got it um so i think that's I, I got the impression that that's what happened is that somebody drew aggression away from uh from him so that he it was no longer a threat Okay. Well, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. I just thought it was weird that the zombie was attacking and then all of a sudden stopped. Um, but overall, the zombies in the water—we got a couple of them. I think we're pretty cool. But I don't feel like zombies in the water are going to be that much of a threat. No. I mean, zombies are dead people, right? Yes, they are. So, so they have, and we we know that people have, or that zombies have residual memories from when they're alive. They carry around stuff. They do stuff that they normally would have when they were dead, mm-hmm. like going around cars or making sure that they have their 
golf clubs with them or something like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the what I'm thinking is that people are idiots generally. If they're doing something, they can easily get distracted and no longer feel like doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm fighting with somebody over a book and I don't care about the book, I just might let it go. <laughs> you can have it. It's you fine. Can just take the book, man. Yeah, man, care. it's all yours. So, you know, that could have happened too. I suppose. All right. Well, we'll see. I mean, we're going to get more zombies in the water, I'm pretty sure. But like The Walking Dead tends to do, I'm pretty sure this show is going to proceed and we will find out that the living people are the ones who are much more dangerous, especially out on the ocean. Oh, man. Can you imagine if there were zombie pirates? (laughs) Yeah. There were pirates in real life and they have residual memories of being pirates and then they show up and be zombie pirates. Okay. How long before... There are actual pirates on this show that are somehow using the zombies in their pirating ways, or at least have like a boat that's like strapped with zombies to the side. So if you try to board that boat, you first have to get through a bunch of zombies strapped to the side of it. Or Approximately seven minutes. Seven minutes? Seven, seven minutes, minutes into episode two, we're going to have zombie pirate boat. That's right. In fact, let's just rename the show Zombie Pirate Boat. Why? Well, I- I can't imagine why not. Because, That'd be a good title for a movie. Because Fear the Walking Dead is still kind of a stupid name in my opinion, but yeah, Zombie Pirate with, Boat, fucking A. What was it called before? Obsidian? Co- Cobalt. Cobalt. It was something like that. Cobalt is better. Yeah, season one, episode four or something like that was called Cobalt. But Zombie Pirate Boat, that is a name right there. Zombies on a boat? No, no, no. <laughs> zombie Pirate Boat. Tornado. <laughs> tornado. <laughs> <laughs> Anything in a tornado is scary. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this was a really good start to the season, to be honest. I I liked it, and uh, it's different, and we haven't seen The Walking Dead on a boat before, so... No, they've always been pretty much landlocked. They have. Atlanta, Georgia, or wherever they are, is... uh, And, and, you know, Alexandria, that's totally landlocked. They have a little pond in the middle of the town, but they lit that on fire. (laughs) They lit that on fire. Yeah. They got one pond. They lit the damn thing on fire. They sure did. To draw aggro from the zombies. That's exactly what happened. Now the pond is full of zombies, though. Full of dead yeah. zombie bodies. Yeah. It, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> Anyways, we can talk about that some other time. Probably never. Uh, I think this was a pretty good start to season two. Sounds like you agree. I do agree. And the one thing I wanted to bring up was that uh, I think they did a really good job on the uh, in the episode of portraying... Um, normalcy coupled with high levels of tension. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, they were on this boat, and it's a pretty luxurious boat. So it's really the kind of thing where you would go for, it would be nice. You know, on a regular day, you would want to get on this boat and just hang out, and you're, you know, you're cruising down down the ocean there on the West Coast, and everything, it's a nice day. You're uh, sitting there, you have a nice dinner, you have some booze, you can go to your cabin, take a nap. It seems like a really relaxing kind of time, and it's just like the perfect way to you know, ride out the zombie apocalypse. But there's tension involved too, right? It's, I mean, sure, it's a nice setting that you're in, but there's a lot of tension that's going on. There's all this crap that's going on uh, over the radio. You're passing by rafts full of people trying to get help. You're, uh, you know, then there was a, an actual situation where the, uh, with the capsized boat that wouldn't sink, uh, they had zombies there and then there are pirates coming. I mean, so there's lots of tension going on. And I think they portrayed that really well. Mm-hmm. That uh, they, because uh, I likened it to being on a plane. When you get on a plane, it you're sitting in this nice seat, 
generally. It's getting smaller every year, but generally you sit in this nice seat. You can do things like you can read a book, you could watch a movie. They have movies and television shows on planes nowadays. It seems like a really relaxing time, but it is definitely not downtime. Like it, it is not that relaxing. It's a relaxing situation, sort of, but it's still full of this travel tension that you have to uh, that you have to keep. So you yep. notice every second that goes by, even though you're watching a movie that you've always wanted to see. Not always, but for the last two weeks, you've come out in theaters and then it comes out on a plane <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that movie's not done on DVD yet. I can watch this on the plane. That's really great. I've been looking forward to this movie, but yet it's not as enjoyable as if that movie were playing in your living room while you were in your pajamas. Because there's just nothing as comfortable. Well, there's nothing that comfortable about being on a plane, to be honest. Right. I enjoy traveling and I enjoy aviation and I, I enjoy hanging out in airports, but I, you know, sitting there on the plane, that's the, that's the part that's not fun, even though you get to watch a movie or, or whatever. Yeah. So it's that tension coupled with relaxation. They try and portray it as a relaxing kind of enjoyable trip, mm -hmm. but it's still full of tension. And I think that that's the kind of feeling that this episode had was that sure they're in a luxurious setting Sort of, mm -hmm. but it's still rife with tension. Right. And I think that the unknowns about Strand are just one of those, one more of those things that are, are amping that up a bit. Yeah. He's, he's got a, uh, a floating sausage factory or a hat thing. That's what I figure. He's <laughs> one or the other, man. Definitely yeah. not a sweater problem. Oh, uh, no. He's got that sweater situation solved. He has that solved. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, that's... That's that's really interesting, you know, that the way the way that a boat is a friendly place, but put in a really unfriendly environment here. Yeah. Well, maybe friendly isn't the right word, but you're right, relaxing, but not so much when there are zombies floating in the water and there are pirates all around you. Yeah, zombies, pirates, strange captain, you know, dead body you're carrying around with you for some reason. And mystery boyfriend on the radio. Oh, yeah, and, and a new boyfriend. Right, so that's that. Teenage girl talking on the phone to her new boyfriend. Yeah, if you're going to give anybody the radio, they should have given it to Daniel. Like, he would have known what to do, right? He'd, he'd yeah. be just writing down all the information he hears and making a plan. So, well, I'm excited for episode two, which comes next week, and we'll be podcasting about that, of course, too. We're going to read some listener feedback after a short break here, so stay with us. Talking Dead podcast is brought to you by you, the listeners. Um, if you'd like to help out and support what we do here, the best way to do that is visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Whether we're prod podcasting about the main Walking Dead show or Fear the Walking Dead or something else altogether, um, visit us on Patreon where you can make a small monthly pledge to just throw another buck our way or two bucks our way to, uh, to help 
with all the cost that goes into putting on this podcast. Um, the other thing you can do is visit us uh, or use our Amazon link by going to TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and clicking on the country store of your choice. And then that's even easier because a tiny little cut of everything you buy at Amazon comes back to us and it doesn't cost you an extra cent. So Patreon or Amazon are two great ways to help out. And the nice thing is it keeps us from having the need to do actual ads on the show, even though this is kind of an ad, but it's an ad for us, which is different. So um, visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the talking dead or talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. Listener feedback. Okay, time for a little bit of listener feedback about this uh, Fear the Walking Dead as Season 2, Episode 1. And our first email here comes from Noop J on the internet. Noop J writes, I love this show. I know it has problems, but I just love being in this world, albeit on another side of the continent. New creative team and writers be thanked. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. Um, is it... Along those lines, Jason, is it sort of, do you feel sort of refreshed, refreshed or get a refreshing feeling, refreshed feeling when you, when you jump into a new show, even though it's in the same universe, but it's new characters and new ideas and things like that? Uh, I feel about as refreshed as jumping into a mid-sized swimming pool full of whipped cream. <laughs> whipped cream? I don't know. Yeah, how see, much. it's, it's, it's nice and refreshing and sounds refreshing right at the start, but then you get all the way to the end and all of a sudden it's whipped cream. So it's a little bit sticky. It's a little bit annoying, but on a hot summer day, it can be refreshing for a little while. And it seems really interesting. What would happen if you jumped into a pool of whipped cream? Would you just like plunge to the bottom or would the whipped cream provide some sort of resistance? No, I'd recommend jumping in feet first into a small or medium-sized swimming pool. I wouldn't dive into a pool that's filled with whipped cream because it'll all just get the hell out of the way while you plummet to your death. (laughs) So, man, that doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> so that's what I think. That's what I think this show is like. It's it's refreshing in a way, but has some problems. Jumping into a kiddie pool full of whipped cream. Ah, a kiddie pool full of whipped cream, that's a whole different story. You just eat your way out of that. You could, uh, you could charge people to watch that. Especially if you were jumping in with your semen sweater on. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, all right, we've got a call here from... Designer Will in Pennsylvania. Hey guys, this is Designer Will in Pennsylvania. I just wanted to leave feedback for the new season two, episode one of Fear the Walking Dead. Really liked it. Some things that stood out are Strand is still a mysterious badass. We learn that Strand saved Nick because he thinks Nick is not afraid of death. Alicia seems fairly reckless talking to strangers on the radio. Let's hope she's not responsible for the ship they're about to encounter. And I noticed Nick's withdrawal doesn't seem to be taking much of a toll on him yet. Maybe he's still working through some of the drugs he had to wean himself off of his addiction. 
And lastly, a holy crap moment. Holy crap, did you see that Strand has more than one yacht? Nothing like having a backup yacht in the zombie apocalypse. What I'm referring to is that the yacht they show us through the binoculars in season one, episode six, is a totally different ship than the one they get on. The one they showed us originally is white. It looks a little bit longer, and it's got Abigail written in black letters across the back of it. The one that they get on in season two, episode one, has is half black, and it looks to be a bit more of a luxury yacht and a little bit smaller. I'm sure the first one was just a computer-generated stand-in, but I just wondered if anybody uh, noticed this. I love the podcast, guys. Keep up the hard work, and thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Designer Will. Uh, he sent in a couple of comparison shots, pictures. Right. Totally different boat. Really? Things to, things can look different when they're far, the, far away, though. Nope. Totally different. It's a little boat. bit smaller, a little bit longer, a little bit wider. I guarantee totally different boat. I looked at the pictures. It's, uh, it's, I'm sure it's just what Will was saying that, you know, they just used a, a gen- computer generated boat. And then when they actually had to get a boat to do some filming on, well, they didn't get exactly the same boat. They hadn't chosen their boat yet when they were shooting season one. Wow. They hadn't chosen Michonne yet when they first showed her too. That's right. They just so, showed someone wearing a cloak. That's Yeah, so, yeah, you're probably right that it's just a, a production thing, but they change stuff all the time in TV shows. Oh, totally. Sometimes they shoot a pilot of a show, and then when the show gets picked up, they've got different actors. I mean, so, sometimes in uh, Back to the Future, you uh, you cast a, a whole wrong person. Shoot the whole movie, or half the movie, and then half start the over. Half the movie, and then you have to go get Michael J. Fox to work nights because he's working on family ties during the day. Mm-hmm. Well, these things happen, but uh, yeah, I mean, different boat and the pictures are obviously make it seem like or reveal that it's a different boat. So a bunch of other stuff in Will's call, though, about, uh, um, yeah, Nick doesn't seem to be suffering any withdrawal effects anymore. No, no, he seems perfectly fine. He's healthy. He's he's kicked his habit. He's, He's good to go. Even though it was only one day... Since, you know, that they were in Strand's house. I assume that that's that's how long it takes. Well, that's what the show, I think, wants us to think anyways. Um, uh, And then the other thing I just wanted to address from what Will said was Strand saved his life, apparently, in in the hospital in season one because Nick appears to not be afraid to die. Right. And that's a quality that Strand is looking for in companions, not being afraid to die? Yeah, that's uh, one of the qualities for his uh, sausage-making factory. (laughs) I I don't know why he would want people that are not afraid to die. People that are not afraid to die tend to die. Yeah, probably because they do reckless stuff. So I don't know. I just, I can't shake the feeling that Strand has got something going on here. And I don't know if it's good, I don't know if it's bad, but he's gathering people that he needs to do something and strand is going to turn out to be not a bad guy necessarily, but he's going to turn out to have some kind of ulterior motive that is going to play out over the course of this season. Maybe only the first half of the season, like maybe the strand storyline will come to a climax before season or uh, episode seven or eight, and then we'll move on. But I think it's going to revolve around him and there's going to be, he's going to be important to it. I, I have another theory. Is it, does it involve human sausage making? No, it does not. So 
I, I think there's a, a rich person secret society that Strand belongs to that either knows about the zombie, knew about the zombie apocalypse beforehand or caused the zombie apocalypse. Well, now you're just getting crazy. Yeah. And uh, what they're doing is uh, they made a bet to see who could show up at their secret island location with the strangest, dumbest people that they could find. <laughs> and this is dumbest. This is Strand's group of yahoos that he's bringing. It's sort of like a dinner for schmucks kind of thing. He found this group of people. He thinks they're pretty idiotic. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of balance the complete moron, uh, dumbass, group of people with, I need to survive, therefore I need to get awesome people. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, a, it's really challenging in that regard. It's a really challenging game. So he, this is his uh, group of schmucks that he's gathered to go bring to the secret island lair where all the other rich people in this cabal are going to show up with their schmucks and they're going to do a comparison and go, yeah, John got the best schmucks. Here's your dollar. That is so weird, but do you imagine if it went like something totally bizarre like that like like leave the zombie apocalypse behind really and make this show about something else altogether like a bunch of rich guys collecting schmucks <laughs> <laughs> these are his schmucks yeah that would be so weird that'd be so bizarre i don't know so that's my theory great theory jason thanks that and sausage factoring Factor. Floating sausage factory. Right. Human sausage factory. It just gets stranger. Yeah. Charles in San Francisco writes, Travis says, we don't know if they're infected, referring to the people on the boat. He means the other, the party raft. Right. Uh, I like that the writers are keeping the state of the world consistent at this point in time. No one knows yet that they're all infected. But do they? I have a feeling, I, if I remember correctly, that information was discovered in season one of this show. But was it communicated to everyone is the question. Yeah. Well, it was transmitted. What do you mean? Well, I mean, they're all infected, so everybody was transmitted the disease. Okay, I know. I know we know. The audience knows that they're all infected. But and um, uh, the doctor in the hospital, the main doctor in, in season one, she knew that everyone was infected, right? And she, yep. commu- she communicated that to Liza, but Liza's yep. dead. Did, did Liza tell everybody? I'm just trying to remember. I'm trying to get my facts straight here. Do, does everybody on the boat know that everyone has this infection and that when you die, you come back? I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch the season again, but I don't think so. See, I think they do, and I think that's why they shot Liza in the head, right? They, She was bit, so they – but I guess – I guess they don't know if she was bit. They assume she's coming back because of that. But so I'm I'm confused. I don't remember exactly if they all know, but I have a feeling. I feel like they do. So I don't know. I I don't know. All right. I'm sure someone will tell us. But either way, Charles. Um. Yeah. Hopefully they are keeping things consistent here. And uh, you know, Travis could have just been panicking in the moment too. Anyways, saying like those people are infected. Maybe the, maybe he means like they're injured. Maybe they're going to come on board and all die and then turn into zombies. And then we've got zombie party boat, and that's even worse. So, it is worse. So there you go. Who knows what kind of communicable diseases are on that party boat? Oh my god, probably stuff worse than the zombie virus. Hoda in Annapolis, Maryland writes: I thought the first episode of Fear was pretty good. I loved the floater zombies. And I think Strand has the right idea. Keep other people away from your boat. And I'm looking forward to pirates. But just one thing. Does anyone think all the teenagers need to die? I mean, how dumb is Alicia? 
Can't wait for her to get bit. (laughs) (laughs) We've got Mopey Chris, who's jumping off the boat every chance he gets. And we've got Alicia giving away all her information to her boyfriend on the radio. Yep. Two kind of not-so-smart individuals, maybe. Teenagers are dumb. Oh, my God. They're so dumb. But you know what? We were teenagers once. Oh, God, I was the dumbest of them all. I Man, I should have died a number of times. Some of the shit that I did in the 80s. And 90s, but you're still here. <laughs> oh, yeah, the 90s were, were bad, but the 80s were uh, some of the, yeah, there was some scary stuff in the 80s. Well, Jason's stories from the 80s and 90s. I was on the roof of a car, driving down the road, standing on the roof of the car. They threw the seatbelts out the window so I could hang on to them. We got that car up to 100 kilometers an hour at night, driving down the highway. It's insane. That is insane. It really is. I should have died, probably. No, should have. (laughs) I dropped my change purse. Oh, my God. I I had a beaded change. I just remembered that. I forgot all about that change purse. I had this pink beaded change purse that I carried all my keys and change and uh, ID and stuff, and I was on... Uh, I was on the roof of the car, and I was—I lifted one foot so I could I could stand on the uh, like you do on skis. He's standing with one foot and trying to stick one in the air, and my change purse fell out of my pocket, and uh, we hunted in the the uh, on the side of the road for like an hour to find it. You know, usually when a man has something <laughs> in his pocket that is holding his his you know, ID and his money and stuff. It's called a wallet, not a change purse, but oh, hey. I was so weird when I was 19. You have no idea. <laughs> I wish I'd known you then. Oh man. I, I think I wore a fedora. I had a trench coat and I had a, a, a pink noose that I wore inside my change, my, my trench coat. That was in the winter though. Yeah. I don't understand how you're still alive. Yeah. Well, that was, that was stupid. I was just playing. Don't ever do that. That's the dumbest thing you can do. I think it was on the news a little while ago. Somebody did that and died. Oh yeah. I'm not surprised they died because that sounds like a death defying thing. That's the kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Teenagers are stupid. I was 19 when I did that. That was dumb. All right. Well, don't do that everyone. Uh, Jenkins on the internet writes, Hey guys, before you go hilariously apeshit on the angsty teen one, angsty teen two, mom from Gone Girl being dumb, let's remember this isn't season six of The Walking Dead, where the characters have gone through the learning curve. Wanting to stop the boat, understandable and human. The radio, understandable and human for a dumb angsty teen. Jumping off the boat, fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we, you know, I don't think we, we went, hilariously ape shit about the uh teens well maybe not well maybe you did i mean i said chris was kind of annoying but uh um whatever i mean these people have to learn what's appropriate in this new zombie world order yeah and you know teenagers have to do that at the best of times well yeah now everything's all screwed up now what are they supposed to mimic their lives off of when their society is all messed up and gone they have to figure it up for themselves damn it yeah uh, Sally on the internet writes, please kill Chris immediately, please. <laughs> and I don't think she's talking about me. This ingrate, no. <laughs> this ingrate is the most annoying character on the show, and that says a lot. Five minutes into the show, I already wanted him dead. Please kill him off now. <laughs> so Soon. tell us how you really feel, Sally. Yeah. Really. If I had to make a prediction on somebody who's going to die this season, Chris would be the top of the list. Yeah. Well, because he's annoying and also because 
that would really be emotional for Travis. And that's what they'd want to go for. Give Travis, you know, a real big emotional scene because his son is dead. And his ex-wife. Well, his ex-wife too. He had to shoot her, you know? Yeah. Okay. So kill his son just for story purposes. Sure. I think so. I think that's my call. That's my prediction on who's going to die. Okay, Rena on the internet. Alicia, what are you thinking? Not since Ned Beatty did his sexy tighty-whitey dance in front of Toothless Hillbillies has one character so openly asked to be screwed. The flirty CB conversation is not going to end well. Although when Jack said everyone was turned or taken, I even saw it happen to my girlfriend, I would have loved to hear Alicia say, so you're single? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> What is this Ned Beatty doing his sexy dance in front of hillbillies? I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up. Well, I, I had looked up Ned Beatty just to make sure I understood who he was. And so I understand, I get Ned Beatty now, but what is the reference? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. It's, it's, it's a good one though. I mean, we'll have to, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, you look that up. Maybe I'm going to go on to Jess in Toronto. Oh God, season two, episode one of Fear served to remind me of what I'd forgotten over the course of an entire season of the regular Walking Dead show. Chris is such a douche nozzle. In the first few minutes of the episode, he appears to sit idly by his mother's corpse on the beach while his father and Maddie fight for their lives against walkers. Literally, walkers on top of his father, and we don't see him budge. Then he interrupts his mother's makeshift funeral with a fit of teenage angst by unceremoniously dumping her body in the water amid eulogies. Even grizzled old Salazar's face looked like he was thinking, dick move, kid. <laughs> what I liked, the point that Jess makes here about him just sitting there on the beach while everyone else is being attacked by walkers, I think that's a really good observation because he did nothing. He just sat there. Well, yeah, I mean... Teenagers, what are you gonna do? Well, he, I mean, you can't blame everything on them being teenagers. He was, it was like, you know, they're in mortal danger. His dad and his mom, not his mom, his dad and Maddie are, are being attacked, and he's just sitting there, like, uh, you know what, my mom's dead. I'm gonna mope around. Almost got the feeling like, like he doesn't care anymore. He's like, I just want to die too. Well, I, yeah, he kind of, uh, I don't know. He, I, I think his character, it kind of speaks to his character. In that he's just uh, full of angst and fear and anger and resentment and all kinds of negative emotions. And sometimes it makes you do stupid things. And sometimes it makes you do nothing when you should have done something, even if it was a little stupid. Yeah. I, he's going to either have to learn about how to deal with this environment or be killed off. And I think those are two extremes. He's going to either have to die or figure it out pretty fast. You know, and so far he's not figuring it out. So yeah. we will see how it goes. Ned, Ned Beatty was in Deliverance. Uh huh. The the reference is Deliverance. Okay, I've seen Deliverance. I just didn't know that that role was played by Ned Beatty. Okay, and he he did a dance. Well, you got to see Deliverance. I'm not going to spoil Deliverance. For I haven't you. I haven't seen Deliverance. No. All right, bunch of guys go into the woods, meet up with some people that, uh, uh well, raped Ned Beatty. Oh Jesus. Well, yeah, there's no nice way to put it. They they full on raped him. I'm not sure I want to see that now. It's a good movie though. It was okay. I mean, I've heard I mean, of it. So. 1972, very powerful film. Uh, you know, man on man rape. 
was uh, you know it's it's a powerful image in any day, but mm-hmm. in 1972 that was pretty uh, was pretty out there. Yeah, I imagine. I've never seen Deliverance. No wonder I didn't get the reference. Uh, all right. Kara in Pittsburgh, when Frank swam to the wrecked ship, it really looked like he was searching for some heroin or other drugs in the wreckage, just like when Charlie went back to the plane to look for his heroin in the first episode of Lost. It also makes me wonder when and how Frank's addiction will play back into the story. Uh, Frank, she means Nick, played by Frank Delane. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't really feel like he was going there looking for drugs, but I do wonder if his drug addiction is going to be a thing in season two. I sure hope so, because he seems pretty normalized right now. He does. He was even really helpful in that scene with um, Salazar's daughter, like giving her advice for healing, yeah. patching up her wound and stuff. Like, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing he would have done in season one. Well, maybe he's trying to, you know, do that for drugs. You know, I'm pretty good at uh, I'm pretty good at bandaging things up to get any heroin. <laughs> I can help out with that. <laughs> I don't know. Only you had some heroin. I could help. Well, I don't think he's going to find any heroin on Strand's boat. So if he is still going to suffer from the withdrawal, we should be seeing that any time now. Because I don't know how much of the sort of medication he has to mitigate those symptoms. Yeah, well, maybe there'll be a special kind of fish that they can catch that has uh, whatever drug he needs uh, available in spades. Maybe. That's why they're fishing so much. Don't yeah, think so, Fishing though. for drugs. That's the way you do it. <laughs> drug fish. Adam in Texas writes, uh, we don't talk when we fish. Holy crap. Totally a Walking Dead <laughs> quote lift. Andrea and Amy's in-boat conversation. Love it. Also, love the idea of seeing them fish. Eel meat is not great, but I'll do it in a pinch. Whenever we uh, whenever we went fishing and caught an eel, we'd always chop it up to make more bait. It's fresher and attracts other fish you probably could eat. Even when it rots, it can be used for bottom feeding fish. So uh, if you're not, if you're not going to eat the eel, you can use it to catch other fish you uh, you will eat. Well, I guess it depends on how starving you are. That's right. I mean, if you're starving, you're going to eat an eel. Why not, right? Yeah. Um, I went back and looked up the Andrea and Amy boat scene way back in season uh, one. Yep. It was season one, episode four called Vatos. And they're sitting in that uh, quarry filled with water and they're just sitting in that boat. And the line was actually, there's no crying in the boat, not, you know, no talking when we fish, but pretty close. And I think it's a, I think it's a bit of a reference. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, exactly. No crying in the boat, Jason. Well, that that makes sense. It does. But I, I assumed you can talk while fishing. What's the point of fishing if you're not going to have a conversation and drink a beer? Well, because it's about being out in nature and being silent and listening to the sounds of the world around you and uh, not scaring the fish away by yelling at them. What if I want to quietly talk about baseball while I drink beer and fish? I don't believe for a second you would ever do any of those things. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't like fishing, I don't like beer, I don't like baseball. Uh, Well, it's not that I don't like baseball, I just don't follow it. I don't like fishing. I've gone fishing and it's boring as hell and slimy and smells bad. You don't have the same kind of memories of fishing that I do. I used to go, my grandfather used to take me fishing and I really Uh, enjoyed that. I went fishing with my brother and he used to yell at me. Yeah, well, you probably didn't catch many fish either. I caught a few now and again. You went out in the boat, got high and... Decided to not fish. 
Nope, I was too young for getting on ice. That's not true. But I was. Uh, <laughs> of course, it's I not didn't true. Quite get a high while I was fishing. All right, any of those times. Well, you should have gone with your grandfather. I should have. Finally, Christine in Somerville, South Carolina. I know it's early yet, and I'll keep an open mind, but one negative about the show is they escape on a boat, and this made the show really slow moving. There was time for a lot of introspection. I thought maybe they were going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Don't you think it would have been more interesting if they'd stayed in Los Angeles and been there when all the destruction had occurred? They would have first seen they would have seen firsthand what was going down at the beginning of the apocalypse, fighting zombies, dodging destruction, and crazy people, etc., which is what I thought the show was about. I feel the show is transitioning to The Walking Dead, Los Angeles. Um, This is, you know, a criticism that a lot of people have had, where the show is sort of too quickly just becoming about another group of survivors surviving in this zombie apocalypse, and it's not different enough from the main Walking Dead show. Um, but I think the fact that they've put it on a boat opens up a whole new world of possibility. Well, yeah. I mean, it could. I mean, if they don't end up burning the boat and going into shore, they can always try and make a break for Hawaii or any, you know, uh, Pacific Island, South Pacific Island, which would be nice. Maybe they can meet up with Gilligan because they went out of Los Angeles. Three hours later, they were on an island, uh, a deserted island. Mm -hmm. Zombie free, if I remember correctly. There was no zombie season of Gilligan's Island? No, there was no zombies. The, the Harlem Globetrotters showed up. <laughs> of, course point. <laughs> of course but, they did. Of course they did. But no, I don't recall ever seeing a zombie. Okay, well, I think that they're going to spend some time on the boat. That's going to be interesting. I think eventually they'll go back to land. But I don't think it'll be in a populated area. And that's going to be a problem because we're going to end up with another group in a rural area, maybe not that many people around. I mean, Los Angeles is exploded. It's on fire. They can't go back there. Yeah. If they go, you know, I, I don't know, 50, 60, 100 miles south or something like that, and then go back into land where somewhere in between LA and, and what is it down there? San Diego? San Diego. You know, um, where there's not as many people around. Now, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of people throughout that, that area. But, like, I think we're, we might just end up with them in, you know, back on land with not that many folks around. And I don't want them to do that because that might just be kind of samey. And we don't might want be samey. a little samey. Yeah, well, they could keep going south. They could go past uh, San Diego and go down to Baja, the Baja Peninsula. I think that'd be nice down there. Mm-hmm. Go down to Chile. <laughs> That's pretty far. <laughs> That's pretty far. You know, but they Isn't could the Galapagos sail. Islands around there someplace? Strand, well, that's off Ecuador, isn't it? Or what am I thinking of? I have no idea. I'm an idiot. Anyways. My geography is horrid, absolutely horrid. Oh, what what are the islands off of Ecuador? I don't know. Either way, they're, it's, that's pretty far. Now, Strand did make a point of saying that they can survive on this boat for a long time. And that... Uh, oh, it's down that way. I think that'd be nice. Yeah, well, they could get off pretty near far. Near Ecuador and Colombia, mm -hmm. Costa Rica... I think that'd be really nice. Costa Rica is beautiful. I've been there. Anyhow, we'll have to see where it goes. Um, I hope they don't get back to land too fast, but you're probably right. They're probably going to have to move back into land or some sort of like island or something, or maybe like an offshore oil drilling rig or something. That'd be yeah, cool. That's where the sausage factory is. <laughs> oil and sausage. <laughs> I think Hawaii is closer than the Galapagos Islands. 
It might be, although Hawaii is pretty far too. It is. Just looking at eyeballing it on a map that is laid flat and not on a globe, it's hard to tell, but mm-hmm. it looks like uh, Hawaii is a little closer than the Galapagos Islands. Maybe although those... Hawaii is a lot farther away from shore than the Galapagos Islands. Yeah, that's right. Maybe they'll just end up on Catalina Island, which is that one just off of L.A. So not... yeah, sure. Not that far. Why not? All right. So that's Season 2, Episode 1 of Fear the Walking Dead. Everyone, thanks for uh, writing in your thoughts. I'm sure we'll get some more as the season plays out. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I think that was a really good start to Season 2. And I hope the quality stays like that as we move move through the season. I keep saying for the next seven or eight weeks because I don't know if they're doing seven episodes and then taking a break or eight and then taking a break. Uh, But they definitely are taking a break and they'll come back with the second half of Fear the Walking Dead leading into the premiere of season seven of the main Walking Dead show. So uh, we will get some time off over the summer, but I just don't know if there's going to be six more or seven more episodes now that we've had one. But either way, we will be podcasting about them so uh stick around and uh hope you uh hope you enjoy it and hope you'll you know send in your emails and join the conversation a little bit all right uh jason let's wrap things oh one more thing whoa i think i said that we were going to watch and talk about flight 462 the uh the thing on a plane there that they've been broadcasting all season yep i didn't have time to watch it so, okay. so we didn't. I don't know if you watched it, but I did uh, not watch it. Were we supposed to? Yeah, we were going to do that and talk about it on this podcast, but <laughs> it, it, it didn't factor into this episode at all. So I feel that we're a little bit lucky there, and we will watch it and maybe talk about it next week. Oh man, did we actually say we were going to do that? Well, I said we are going to talk about it. I don't remember if I said we'll do it on this for this first episode, although I think I did. <laughs> so right. totally, totally dropped the ball on that one. Yeah, we'll watch it. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk about it when it's a little bit more relevant to the show. When, you know, one of those characters apparently is supposed to show up in the, you know, on the show. So we'll have to, we'll have to see. But we didn't do it today. So sorry about that. Uh, Yeah. My apologies. I totally (laughs) missed the boat. Totally. Oh, good one. Zing. (laughs) (laughs) Totally spaced. All right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead on Twitter at talking dead or uh, send your email to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in a week, everyone, when we talk about episode number two. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.